Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. For the saving words of Christ, Amen. The word that is actually a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Amen. And today we are blessed to have none other than the planter of this branch of Kodesh Family Church. And if you're excited to receive from the man of God, please stand up onto your feet as we welcome to the podium Reverend Gilbert Asamoah, Amen. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. Love deep in my soul, you give me joy. Love deep in my soul, love deep in my soul, joy deep in my soul. once again to hear your holy precious words. Lord, we look to you, Lord, as our help and our strength. Bless this time of ministration of the word. Holy Spirit, breathe upon it. Open our eyes and deliver us from anything that is not real. May we become a people that are real. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You're all welcome to our Sunday service. We are going to start with the scripture of the week, which is from Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, Seeing thou hast forget, forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. So let's go. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Amen. Wonderful. Uh, all this whole place is empty. Can, can we fill it up? If, unless there's a reason why maybe you need to get back. Because um, I don't think they are reserved. Amen. 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 Yeah. Wonderful. We thank God. Sometimes some scriptures are very sovereign and they come as a type of warning for us. Amen. Amen. Um, we know from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 that God considers every Christian as a priest. Yes. 
Amen. And what does a priest do? In the Old Testament, there are two, or I should say three types of people that receive the anointing. Who can tell me who they are? I already mentioned one of them. The priest, yes. And who else? The king. And then the prophet. Amen. So priest, king, prophet were people in the Old Testament that received the anointing. In the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon all believers. Hallelujah. So, and then later on, Peter commented and said that you are a holy priesthood. Is that not so? And he was addressing believers. So, and, and, and the difference between the work, most of us understand the work of a prophet, but the priest and the king, the king rules in the affairs of earth, earthly matters. Is that not so? Like the mayor or the governor is a type of a king. And as a believer, you also live on the earth. So you, you should also have the mind of a ruler. Is that not so? The mindset. So, so um, we have been called, if you read the book of Revelation, we have been called kings and priests. So your, your kingship rule has to do with the things you need to do to govern the affairs of this life. Hallelujah. But then your priestly function, what does the priest do? A priest mediates between men and God. Hallelujah. So the priestly role has to do with having world transactions, whereby you stand between matters of earth and things pertaining to human beings and God. Hallelujah. Your work as a king makes you um, grounded in terms of dealing with day-to-day events. And so when God is saying that I will reject you as a priest, it's a very serious thing. Why, why is that? Why, wh- if God is rejecting somebody as a priest, if you understand what the priest does, because you need to know why there's the need for something, then you will know if it's not there, why it's a problem. Is that not so? So if God is saying I will reject you as a priest, why is that a problem? Who can help us? Okay, so if God has rejected the priest, what is going to happen? The prayers are not answered. Prayers are not answered, yes. Heavens are closed. And there is no one to mediate for you. Hallelujah. So if you see yourself as a priest, because when we heard the word priest, immediately you thought of the pastor. But you are, the, you are also a priest. Amen. And if you are also a priest, what are you doing? You are mediating between God and people. And do you know that certain bad things that should happen to members in your family didn't happen because of you? In fact, some of members of your family don't even know God. They, they don't even have a relationship with God. But your prayers can block certain things from happening. Hallelujah. Are you listening? And so then, if God is saying because of something, he's going to reject your priesthood office. It's not a good thing. Not only for you, but also for people who benefit from you being a priest. Does that make sense? So my people are distressed for lack of knowledge because that has rejected knowledge. So you see, coming to God and becoming a believer does not mean that your mind goes on vacation. Does not mean that you no longer use your mind. Amen. And so one of the things that we emphasize in this church is to teach the knowledge of God and to teach the word of God. Because you see, so many people are masquerading around as men and women of God and they are deceiving thousands if not millions. Here in this church, our emphasis is that you should know God for yourself. No human being 
No human being should become your God. Amen. Amen. You should know God for yourself. How do you know God for yourself? By knowing the word of God. Because at the end of the day, the role of the pastor is to connect you to God. If you ever have a pastor who doesn't connect you to God, and, 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 and the emphasis is that they become your God, you should be careful. Amen. Amen. That's why people are doing all kinds of things. Somebody sent me a WhatsApp, the contents of which I cannot even say in church, of a certain church in a certain country in Africa. Amen. <laughs> and, and, and the things people have to do to go for prayer. It's horrible. And you ask yourself, why are people so deceived? Because they lack knowledge. They lack the knowledge of God. They lack the connection, direct connection with God. Amen. Amen. And so, you see, in every, in every um, faculty of knowledge or in every arena, there is different types of knowledge you need. Amen. Amen. If you go to see a doctor, if you go to see a doctor and you find out that the doctor didn't, was not trained as a doctor. <laughs> and they tell you that they, they f fell out, dropped out of school in high school. And just as you were at the lobby filling those forms that the doctors fill, and then you hear a conversation, and then, and then the, the doctor says, oh, don't worry, I've been doing this for years, and uh, by observing, because sometimes somebody can be observing doctors like an assistant and can be watching. So I've been observing this, so I know what to do. What are you going to do? You are going to advise yourself. Amen. Because there's a body of knowledge that is needed to be a doctor. That's why they take board exams. That's why there is a, there's a certification involved. Because somebody needs, to, somebody needs to certify that this person is ready to practice. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you listening to me? Now, have you heard the expression quack doctor? Yeah. yeah, you have to avoid them. You have to avoid them like the plague. Amen. Now, I, I said that every area of knowledge, uh, if you take a, a, a mechanic, a, a, your vehicle, right, and, and um, your vehicle, God forbid, your vehicle fails you, <laughs> amen, and you want to take it somewhere, you want to take it someone who knows about those vehicles. Is that not so? Somebody whose specialty is repairing bicycles may not be the, the best person to repair your Mercedes-Benz. Amen. Are you listening to me? Even though somebody who knows about engines, motorcycles, may, they may extrapolate their knowledge to, <laughs> to, to repair your vehicle. What I'm saying is that there are specialized knowledge and skills and things needed in every area. And as a Christian, when you become a Christian, you have been enrolled in a curriculum. You've been enrolled in a school. You've been enrolled to become a certain type of person. And when you don't become, you can, you can have what you call a pseudo-Christian. Amen. A pseudo-Christian. Which is going to be my message today. Why you should avoid a pseudo-ministry. Why you should avoid a pseudo-ministry. It's coming from chapter 1 of the book, Transform Your Pastoral Ministry. Hallelujah. Why you should avoid a pseudo-ministry. You could also call it why you should avoid a pseudo-life. Amen. The word ministry means, you know, to wait on and to serve. So, somebody help me. I have my own definition here, but somebody help me. What does the word pseudo mean? Pseudo is spelled P-S-E-U-D-O. Hallelujah. And it's not a nickname. Like, hey, pseudo, pseudo. No, it's not a nickname. It's a word. What does that word mean? Pseudo. What does that word mean? Auxiliary. Fake. Fake. Okay. So-called. That is not the actual thing, but so-called. Hallelujah. 
Okay, this is what I also found. I, I did a little research. Because we are talking about why you should avoid a pseudo ministry. And in order to understand why we should avoid it, we are trying to understand what pseudo means. Because definitely we know if it is something to avoid, it must be something bad. Is that not so? Yeah. So this is what I found. You see, when you are reading the Bible and you're reading, it's always good to have a good dictionary. Hallelujah. Because you will notice that even original um, speakers of the language, they also use dictionaries, don't they? But you, you are not an original speaker of the language, and you don't have a good dictionary. <laughs> How are you going to understand this? Amen. So this is what I found. Okay? Pseudo means not actually the thing, but having the appearance of. Hallelujah. Not actually the thing, but having the appearance of. See, we are talking about, we are talking about, you see, when you see commercials, right? Commercials on TV, you will see that when a doctor is supposed to be in a commercial, what, what do they do? To make you see this is a doctor. The white coat and the stethoscope. Is that not so? A lot of these people are actors. They've never learned anatomy 101. They've never learned. They, but, but they, they, are, they are just performing a role in a commercial. Hallelujah. Now when you come to your, your life as a Christian and, and the ministry of Christ, there is the real and there is the pseudo. Amen. Look at it. It says the appearance. Okay, so having the appearance of and then Pretended. Pseudo also means pretending. It also means false. Hallelujah. It also means spurious. It's an adjective. It's spurious. And then it also means a sham. Are you there? Another one that explained us is almost, comma, approaching, comma, trying to be. <laughs> Amen. So if somebody is a pseudo Christian, they are almost a Christian. They are approaching a Christian. They are trying to be a Christian, but they are not a real Christian. Hallelujah. When I was at the University of Ghana, you know, we call something Hall Week. And during the Hall Week, you know, people do different things. And one of the things that people used to do, I don't know whether they still do it, was called what? <laughs> Change over. <laughs> okay. This one is, is, is the, some people, some men try to dress like women. And they call, oh, okay. Okay. I, we, they call it girly girly. At Legon. So, aha. So uh -huh. It may be easier. I don't know which one is easier for, for, for men to dress like girls or, or vice versa. But you see, there are some people, that, there, were some, there were some people. I remember one particular guy. You know, he, he had this um, plumpiness around him. Do you get it? <laughs> which, which, and then he also had a he also had a soft voice. Do you get it? And he was also a good actor. I actually acted in a play with him before. He was also a, also a very good actor. And he knew how they do their things. You know? <laughs> how the woman was. So so for him, his the way he would dress like a girl in the girly girly time was and uh, I mean very, very almost like a woman. If you don't know him and the way he would do his steps and the way he would walk around. It was like he can easily fool you. Amen. But there were some guys, you pray, you don't meet them in the hallway. Because if you're a woman and you see them, you get angry. Because it's a very bad representation of who you, your species are. There's some guy, his legs, so, I mean, and then, and then you see, at least wear some pants. But it's, it's like, it's like, it's like the, 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 the legs itself. I don't know what to say. To, it's like it's like sticks. 
he lets her like sticks. And, 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 then, and then he's also wearing a mini skirt. And the legs are showing. In fact, so, so, so that, so that, <laughs> so that, you see, this is, he's trying to be a girl, but it's, it's clear he's not. But the ones that are good at it, you will not know unless you do a deeper dive. Hallelujah. Like some guy took a lady to bed and in the middle of the night, he felt things and water on the bed. Yeah, he felt, he told Bishop himself, he felt things and water on the bed and he, he, he lifted the, the, the comforter only to discover from the waist down was a fish. Amen. From the waist down was a fish. So he did the cat walk, took his pants and went like this and ran away. Would you not run away? Amen. Because he met him somewhere, he met her somewhere, and she was like a lady. But it's actually a half human, half fish type of creature. We are talking about why you should avoid a pseudo ministry, why you should avoid a pseudo life. Because there's a lot of acting and a lot of fakeness. So we are still looking at the, what pseudo means. Pseudo means false, it means pretend, it means unreal. Amen. It means not genuine. It means having a close resemblance to. Having a close resemblance to. And then I look at the ori origins of the word. In the Greek, the word is, there's two words that the, in, the, the pseudo comes from. It is like, I'm not a Greek scholar, so forgive me. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it is spelled P-S-E-U-D-E-S. Pseudus. It means false. Hallelujah. And then another Greek word, Sudan, P-S-E-U-D-E-I-N. It means to lie. Hallelujah. So false lie. So what it means is that what you are looking at is not the real thing. Even objects that we use to adorn ourselves. Amen? I know I'm getting a bit too, a bit too personal here. Objects we use to adorn ourselves, there is the real and there is the pseudo version. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> the thief. Oh, mercy. May God forgive you your sins. <laughs> I was not even thinking of thief, but. <laughs> huh? Well, we won't go there. We won't go there. Because we are all growing. Are we not? You have to pray that you're not going to need a pseudo thief. So, so we won't go there. But think of the things we use our money to buy. What is the difference? Say it again. <laughs> What was that? Wigs. Amen. Wigs. You see, the thing, the thing is that, the thing is that, I mean, we guys, we have a disadvantage. But actually, we have a disadvantage. Your head and my, if tomorrow, I mean, next Sunday you come to church and you have grown a lot of hair, we will catch you that, look, this is not your hair. So the ladies have this advantage of being able to change. One day I met somebody and I didn't recognize her. And, and it's, oh, it's me. I said, ah. <laughs> so what, what, what is new? What is different? Because sometimes I don't even, I may not even notice. Oh, I think it's my hair. You are not noticing. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. When you are dealing with people, you want to meet the real person. But people have majored in how to maneuver. You see, right from the Garden of Eden, we started hiding. 
When they heard the voice of God and God appeared, where are you? They were hiding behind the trees. So this hiding thing has gone on till today. So that when you're dealing with people, often you don't know the real person you are dealing with. One brother, he was uh, looking for a beloved. And there were, how many know that in church? I mean, church is the best place to, to meet your wife. How many know that? Yeah. What is the alternative? What, the disco house? No. People may say, well, church, people are whatever. But this is the best to the, the nearest to the best that you can have. <laughs> Amen. Why am I saying that? Because at least these people, these people have agreed that, look, I will go to this place regularly and I'm going to be hearing words that will help me change. <laughs> do, you get it? do you get it? So, so the, the person may not be perfect, but they, ha- they have subscribed to, a, 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 what do you call it, a, 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 a curriculum, a, a, a routine of hearing words that will make them change. So do you not do things by all means, some will enter. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah as we keep coming, as you keep coming, look, you should, you, should, you should be patient with each other. Amen. Because, because by all means, something will slip in. So this brother, he was a bit confused because all the sisters in church were very nice. Nice smile. They knew the usual Christian slangs. You know, n- knew how to put themselves together. Because there are so many factors you should look at. Where's Brother Rasmus? But, but Rasmus, he already has a beloved, but I don't know about Boatin. Boatin, maybe. So Rasmus is already committed. He's a Boatin. Listen very carefully. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you see, that the, 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 the things you look for, some are under the surface, and some are out in the open. Is that not so? So sometimes you may have all the external things, but you don't really know the person you are dealing with. So this brother... I mean, he was also quite a lead, leading, uh, like uh, very visible in the church. And if you are very visible in the church and you are single, and uh, when I say visible, he was performing a role that, you know, people felt like, you know. So, so the sister, every sister would like to you to be their beloved. So he decided to um, get close to a few of them without actually committing so that he can study from a distance. Are you following the point? So he took the, so he, at a point he narrowed it down to two sisters, two sisters, and he said, "I will go out like he will go out and eat or something." So the first sister he went out to eat with. You know how um, sometimes and, and and it's like they went out in the morning, were out for a long time, and by the time it was time to go and eat, you expect both of them to be what hungry. Do you get it? So when they got there, they ordered the food. I don't know whether it was a buffet or whatever. The, the sister did the sheen diplo sister thing with a hand like this and was not eating. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm, don't worry, don't worry yourself, I'm okay. But sister, we, I've been with you since what? <laughs> and today is not the day you should be fasting. Do you get it? But the sister, and, and, and then it was a, a, what do you call it? A, you know, the buffet where you have all kinds of things. Have you gone to a buffet where it's an American buffet and Chinese buffet combo? Or, or like almost everything you want is there. So she had no, she had no, uh, golden what? Golden Korea. Where is that? <laughs> I've seen it, but I, I don't keep record of that. Oh, okay. Is it a good place? Some, 
It used to be forgive. <laughs> well, this sister didn't want the brother to think that she is a lot. Are you following the story? Because you see, you also taught, for instance, you know, back at home, we were taught how to eat, how to chew. How to chew and not to make so much noise. Were you not taught? Yes. So that you don't come, I mean, <laughs> even how to walk. Even how to, there's a way you should walk. You don't walk, throw your legs away like that. <laughs> Do you get it? So, you see, but you see, sometimes, sometimes you can also overdo things. When you are extra too cautious, Mr. Levi, <laughs> you are extra too cautious, you are trying to over impress. Do you get it? So, the, the, the brother watched the sister, the whole demeanor was like, mm, is this sister real? Then it came for the chance of the other sister, the second sister, and they went to a place which is similar to the other place. Because to, for, to, to have a fair competition, you have to put the same set of variables and circumstances. So, because they were auditioning. You see, the thing is that neither of them knew they were auditioning <laughs> for a wife position. <laughs> so, so, they, so they are, they, they, she, she took the second one. And this place was a similar one with all kinds of things plus um, African food. Okay? So the sister started, you know how they teach you, start with the latter things, salad and things. Started with that. And then uh, you know, the whole idea is not to eat too much of one thing. Do you get it? See, I'm teaching you how to go to a buffet. <laughs> because if you go and you load one thing and then you are full and you can't, you have to sample things little by little. So the sister started slow. You see, the whole idea is start slow. Do you get it? <laughs> slow. So he was watching. He was watching. Then take a little bit of it, take a little bit of that. And then started, you see that there's a progress, like a graph. Start like this. The sister now started to increase the food. And she was, she was eating. And then finally, she went for something that had crabs in it. You know, like, a, like a rice balls with, with, with soup and crabs. Do you get it? And then the brother noticed that the sister started rolling her sleeves. Do you get it? She started rolling her sleeves. And then she went for extra, uh, what you get, a tissue, paper towel. Put it on the side. And then she balanced the chair like this. That sister has arrived. <laughs> you see that crab, you see me, I don't like crab because it's too much work. But people who like crab, they have time for it. You have to have time for crab. Because there's a way you tilt your head and there's a way you buy and the way you have to eat it in, in a certain way. The sister, she, she, it's like she was not shy. It's like, I have arrived. I have come. You get it. So that brother went to talk to his pastor. Said, look at it. This is the two scenarios. By the way, both sisters were in a prayer group. Both sisters were spiritual. I'm not saying this sister who, because sometimes you, see, you can use spirituality to cover up a lot of fakeness. You get it. You can use spiritual, spiritual, like use a spiritual something to cover up the real. When it comes to the real person, see, because you see, you meet the person in church, but have you met them at home? No. Have you seen them in the mall? Have you seen them talking to people? How do they behave? Uh, have you seen them without makeup? Yeah. For, <laughs> have you seen them? <laughs> hey, brother, this brother, should we burn him or what? 
No, 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 no. But he's making a point. He's making a point. He's making a point. Because what in, what in, at the end of the what in, you see, the makeup is not on all the time. It's not on all the time. So you must know what you are dealing with. Hallelujah. So the, and the pastor said, well, I mean, you, you made the choice. He said, and then he said, pastor, the choice is obvious. I like the one with the crabs. He said, he said, the thing that got me, the thing that got me was, the thing that got me was the one I saw her rolling her sleeves and balancing herself in the chair. It's like, I have a right. I mean business. And, and, and I'm not here to pretend. I want to show you, this is me. Hallelujah. How to avoid pseudo ministry? Let's look at the scripture. Because when we were talking about things we used to adorn ourselves, things you pay money to buy, when people don't buy the real one, and instead they buy the one that looks like the real one, because the pseudo looks like the real one, but it's not the real one. It's the fake one, it's the false one, it's the pretense one. Is that not so? Why do people do that? The real one is it costs more. Is that not so? The real one costs more. It, 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 it's more expensive to be real than to be fake. Hallelujah. But you see, in reality, when something is fake, it cannot do the job properly that the real one is supposed to do. Is that not so? So let's look at this scripture. First Kings. Well, first uh Exodus chapter 25, Exodus 25, and verse number 16. Exodus chapter 25. When you look at the Bible, God has a plan and a purpose. If you look at the story of redemption, you see that God has a lot of patience. Hallelujah. God has a lot of patience because he's trying to build something that is real. People who are trying to do something in a hurry, people who are not patient, you're not going to get something that is real. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Everything, you, even in terms of cooking of food, if you want the food to finish quicker, you can turn up the heat, right? What's going to happen if it is a meat or fish? At the outside, will look like it's cooked. But then once you serve it, once you serve it, you will see that the inside is red, is black. Because you were, didn't have the patience for the thing to go through the process it needs to go through. Hallelujah. Now, God has called us to be transformed into the image of his son. And, and this transformation process is going to, it costs God, your salvation and my salvation cost God the blood of his son. Hallelujah. But not only is it going to cost God, it's also going to cost you. Not that it's going to cost you blood per se, but it's going to cost you the willingness to submit yourself to the processes of God to be changed. If you are not willing to be changed, then what you end up doing is that you put on an appearance. Hallelujah. You put on an appearance of a believer, a Christian, but you are not. Amen. You put on something that looks like the brother who took the sister to, 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 to bed. If you see a sister walking around with a uh, fish fin at the bottom, would you invite the person home? Then she looked exactly like how a sister looks like. In order for, for her to win him over, she must, have, she must have developed herself in a way that she hid the fish fin part. Amen. And see, as a Christian, God is calling us to be real. If there is anyone you need to be real before, it's before God. 
And then after you are really before God and God accepts you and God is processing and God is helping you, you should care not to who's about what people think of you because if God is working on me and God is, has not rejected me, who are you to reject me? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so then we are being called to set aside all our fake pretense way of looking. Because, you see, even though it will cost us, it is the real thing and the only thing that will make a difference in the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Exodus 25, 16. That shall put into the eye the testimony which I shall give thee. So this is the instruction God is giving to Moses about making the sanctuary, the tabernacle that God is going to meet the people at. Hallelujah. Okay, verse, 16, verse 17. That shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof. And a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. So we're going to pause there. You see, the artifacts in the temple, the furniture in the temple, God is instructing Moses that you have made the Ark of the Covenant where I'm going to meet you. Now, the, there is a covering of the Ark. That he said that you should make the covering of the Ark is called the mercy seat. Do you get it? And of what substance should the mercy seat be made of? pure gold. And you are going to discover that not only the mercy seat, but the elements inside the holy of holies were all of gold. Amen. The golden incense, the showbread, they all were made of gold. Now let's look at something that happened in the history of Israel. Of course, this passage is about the tabernacle in the wilderness. When they got into the promised land and David became king and David wanted to build a temple for God, what happened? God, what, what did God tell uh, David? That you should not be the one to build a temple, but who? Your son. Your son. So when Solomon came, Solomon built a temple for God. And if God wanted elements of gold in the wilderness sanctuary, do you think God wants gold also in the temple? Yes. So you will see that Solomon followed all the instructions that God gave him about what they should make in the temple as far as worship of God. Amen. So for that, let's look at 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 48 to 50. 1 Kings 7, 48 to 50. You see, God is making these prescriptions for a reason. He's making these prescriptions for a reason. When you don't follow prescriptions, you end up with disaster. Hallelujah. Like the guy who was repairing an airplane and he was supposed to use a particular type of length of inches of the screws to hold the, uh, the, the windows of the airplane together. He didn't. He said, okay, three and a half, uh, three and one quarter inch and, and three and three quarters inch is quite close. And you use the wrong screw and then the thing came off in the air. When you don't follow prescriptions, it's a, it's a formula for disaster. Solomon made all the vessels that pertain unto the house of the Lord. The altar of what? Gold. And the table of what? Gold. Whereupon the showbread was. Okay, 49. And the candlesticks of what? Pure gold. Five on the right side and five on the left. Before the oracle. With the flowers and the lamps and the tongues of what? Gold. And the bowls and the snuffers and the basins and the spoons and the senses of what? Pure gold. And the hinges. You see, hinges. Like the thing that hold the door. I mean, it seems something unimportant, right? If it's just a hinge, you, you should be able to use any metal. But God said use pure gold, and that's what he used. Both for the doors of the inner house 
and the most holy place and for the doors of the house to wait of the temple. Hallelujah. So we'll pause there for now. Solomon invested a lot in the temple. In the New Testament, Apostle Paul wrote and said that you are the temple of the living God. Hallelujah. And now, all the investments that were put in the Old Testament temple, Christ became the temple of God on the earth. Is that not so? And then when Christ called us and we became believers, you and I have become part of the body of Christ. He is the head, we are the body. Amen. And so, so from a spiritual standpoint, if God has a standard, because what we are looking at is standards. Standards for construction. When someone is building a home, a home builder, there are standards that the city requires them to, to meet. If they don't meet those standards, the house may look very nice. You may go in and then the house will come down on you. Hallelujah. So standards are very important. So what we are saying is that when God makes a standard, it's very important for us to pay attention. Now, if we don't meet those standards and we make it look like we meet those standards, that's where there's a problem. <coughs> Let's look at something that happened during the days of Rehoboam. Because Solomon's son was Rehoboam. Solomon did everything that was right for the temple. But in the days of Rehoboam, let's look at what happened. Second Chronicles chapter 12. Second Chronicles chapter 12. Starting from verse number 1. Your Christian life is a journey that God has put you on. And in as much as none of us has arrived, we must be heading to the right direction. Hallelujah. And when you are driving and you are lost, be humble and go and ask for directions. Amen. Don't be like the don't be like the stubborn husband. The hus the wife is saying, it looks like we've gone for a long time. We are not seeing any signs of the destination. And the husband says, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And then you keep driving yourself deeper and deeper into lost territory. What are we talking about? We are talking about your life as a Christian. Sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need somebody to guide you. But you see, if you don't present a problem, nobody will know you have a problem. Hallelujah. Look at it. Okay, it is not expedient for me that let's, let's switch it to the New King James. Oh, did I say Corinthians? I meant Chronicles. Second Chronicles, not Corinthians. All right. Let's see. Second Chronicles 12. Now it came to pass. When Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, that he forsook the law of the Lord. Hallelujah. And all Israel along with him. And it happened in the fifth year of Rehoboam that who? Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. Because they had transgressed against the Lord. So who is coming against Jerusalem? Shishak, king of Egypt. Okay. With 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen, people with that number who came up with him out of Egypt. Okay? They also came with the Lubim, the Sukim, the Ethiopians. And he took the fortified cities of Judah and came to Jerusalem. Then Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah who were gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak and said to them, That says the Lord, you have forsaken me and therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak. Hallelujah. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. Now when the Lord saw that they had humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves. Therefore I will not destroy them. 
but I'll grant them some deliverance. You see, when you are not working in the standards of God, and you humble yourself, and you seek help, God will save you. But if you keep on pretending that everything is perfect, then you are driving yourself deeper and deeper into judgment. Hallelujah. Look at this. Verse 8. Nevertheless, they will be his servants that they may distinguish my, ser- my service from the service of the kingdom of the nations. God says that if you serve him, versus if you serve the nations, he said he will draw a distinction. The people who serve God with your life and the people who serve just want to please people. Verse 9. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away what? The treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he took everything. He also carried away the gold shields. Remember, we read about this in First Chronicles, I mean, um, First Kings, that once King Solomon made a golden artifact in the temple. Now, Solomon has died. His son, Rehoboam, is reigning. And now he has fallen away from the Lord. God has allowed Shishak, king of Egypt, to come and ransack Jerusalem. What is Shishak doing? He's taking away what? The treasures of the king's house and the treasures of the house of the Lord. He also carried away the gold shields that Solomon had made. Then, look at it, verse 10. King Rehoboam made what? Bronze shields in their place. And committed them to the hands of the captain of the guard. Who guarded the doorway of the king's house. So you see, what used to be there? It was gold. When the king of Egypt came for them, Rehoboam has replaced them with what? Bronze or brass. Gold is more expensive than brass. Is that not so? And when we do not want to do real ministry, when we do not want to do a real Christian life, like for instance, take a church. In Acts chapter 6, there came a time that people were complaining that they were not being taken care of in the church. Hallelujah. Because there were people who needed some type of uh, help, monetary help, food help. Are you there? Back in the days of the apostles. So let's look at Acts chapter 6. Let's look at Acts chapter 6 and see what happened there. Okay, starting from verse 1. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. The Hellenists were the people of Greek origin. Because their widows were not were neglected in the daily distribution. So there was a daily distribution in the church for the needy people. And the people of one tribe, the Hellenists, the Greek people, fell alone. Because we are not Jewish people, you people are not taking care of us. Hallelujah. Okay. The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. You see, if you tell this today to some people, will say you are being insensitive. Amen. What is the problem at stake here? What is the problem they are trying to solve? People not getting what? Daily distribution of food and other things for their personal needs. Hallelujah. Now the, the apostles are standing up. Go back to verse 2. He said that it is not desirable, it is not right, it is not proper, that we should leave what? The word of God and serve tables. So you see, if you are not spiritual, if you are the type who easily will change gold to brass, if you are the type who will easily change, you see, we are talking about the standard of God. God, like I said at the beginning, every arena has what is important. Do you get it? There is an arena where if you are measuring 
if you are measuring five inches and you make it six, it wouldn't make a difference. But if it is medicine that you are taking, that extra one, uh, whatever you take, can make a, di- a bad difference. Are you there? And so in, in Christian circles and in our calling and in our, the power in God's redemption, God is saying that I have something that is very important and it's more important than serving tables. Are you there? It's God saying we shouldn't serve tables. But he's saying that you cannot take what is auxiliary. Somebody said auxiliary. Something that is secondary and make that the first and the main thing. So it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So that the people, the apostles, they said, look, we should make the work of ministry our main thing. The preaching of the word the main thing. But then let other people who are also full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, hallelujah, when you are distributing food, you better have some wisdom. Amen. Amen. Yeah, because food is one of those things that can easily bring a scrub, can cause a major issue. Amen. Amen. Somebody has just come and they have come again. So you, 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 you are just here, you, you are back. Why? Don't you know we have to have enough for everybody? But maybe the second time they came, they came to get it for somebody who may be in a wheelchair and couldn't come to join the line. Do you get it? So you, you have to balance things. So they needed the people of wisdom, not just anybody to serve the food, but then the leaders of the church could not be, could not be sidelined and make their whole ministry turn, change it from preaching the word of God into now you have become a food bank. Amen. The message doesn't seem to be going well, but I'll preach it. I'll preach it. What I'm telling you is that, you see, between the natural and the spiritual, as a Christian, make your spiritual your priority. Amen. And if your spiritual is not your priority and you just use things to fake up, you cannot fake up before God. Let's add verse 4. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's what Peter is saying. That we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Hallelujah. Let's look at one last scripture. Three reasons why we should avoid the pseudo-ministry. Number one, okay, I'll give you these three, three reasons. Three reasons why we should avoid the pseudo-ministry. Number one, the church is the only institution that is mandated to preach the gospel. The church is the only institution that is mandated to preach the gospel and make disciples of every nation. If the church doesn't do it, there's no other one who will do it. Hallelujah. If the church does not make winning of souls and preaching the word of God our priority, and we take on all these additional things and we do it, the world may be praising us. The world may be saying, yeah, I see your church is very relevant. You are meeting the needs of the people. You are, you are providing food. You are providing counseling. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Career counseling. All these are great things. But we cannot leave the original preaching of salvation of souls and then engage ourselves in these other things. Our ministry will become a fake ministry if we do that. If we are already preaching salvation of souls, we are preaching about spiritual things, and then we are adding these things as additional things, that's okay. But we cannot abandon the original mission and then take on something that is not our original mission. Hallelujah. So reasons why we should avoid the um, pseudo-ministry. The church is the only institution that is mandated to preach the gospel and make disciples of every nation. No one else would do it, do our job for us. Number two, we must not try to impress the world. By doing things that they want us to do. Hallelujah. 
you are accountable to God and you are answerable to God. In the day of the last judgment, when your name is called, your best friend, your father, your mother, your siblings, your best friend, it will be like each one for themselves and God for us all. That's the moment that that, that statement will come true. Whoever lured you into disobeying God, they will be answering for themselves as an individual. Hallelujah. And so, either as an individual or as a church, we must look at what is God doing and what is God asking us to do. Don't follow the crowd. Hallelujah. So, we must not try to impress the world by doing things that they want us to do. God is the one who called us and he's the one we must seek to please. Anyone who is a people pleaser, you will not do well in whatever you are doing. If you are afraid to be different and you, you want people to be happy with you all the time, if you want people to be happy with you all the time, you are going to make major blunders. And you know how people are. After you have tried to please them and you have made a, a blunder, they themselves will come and they will say, why did you do this? Why did you do this? And then they will tell you, but it's not everything I say that you should, be, you should do. You should think. <laughs> yes. You, you should think. Hallelujah. There was, a pro, there was a man of God who went to a, a certain town and God had an assignment for him and God told him specifically, one day we will read that scripture, God told him specifically, don't eat in this town. When you are done with your ministry, go to where you came from. The man of God went there, he did a lot of wonders, his prophetic ministry was powerful and then he was leaving and then there was an older prophet in that same town whose children witnessed the ministry of the younger man of God and they want to tell their father, there's this guy from out of town, he's wilder than you. You should witness that. He so I want him to come here. I want, I want to meet him. I want to see him and encourage him. I mean, to bring him. So they called the young prophet and he came to the older prophet's house. He so, yes, uh, what? Egba and, and, and fish. Eat it. He said, no, no, no. The Lord gave me specific instructions that I shouldn't uh, eat in this town. The older prophet told him, you know, after the Lord spoke to you, the Lord also spoke to me. That he said, it is now okay to eat here. He said, are you sure? Oh, <laughs> Because he's an older prophet, right? He respects him. But the Lord said, do not eat in this town. If you eat in this town, lions will eat you up. The, the man of God, the older man of God said, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it. The Lord has also spoken to me. And he said, it is not okay. It was just a temporary test. And now you have passed, so you can eat. The guy made the worst mistake of his life. He ate. When they will read that passage, if you think I'm making it up, he ate that food, and on his way, a lion ate him up. And is it not a lion? The lion killed him. And then when people were passing, they saw that that man was dead, and the lion was standing by. Normally, when a lion kills you, what do they do? They will eat you. They will eat your flesh. But this particular lion, it was just sent by God to just kill this man of God who decided to please an older prophet instead of pleasing God. Do you get it? Amen. And so the lion didn't eat him up. That itself was a sign that this type of killing of lion is not is, is supernatural. And then they brought they brought his body. And then the older prophet said, the thing that got me angry, Eunice. The older prophet said he should have listened to what God said. What? I will read that passage to you right here one day. You will see. The older prophet said, yeah, he said, he said, that's what people, that's what happens to people who don't follow God. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's the same one. He's the same one who led him to, to disobey God. Amen. Okay, third point. 
By the way, look for Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, and then we will finish with that. So the three reasons we've said to the third one, we can only defeat Satan and his cohorts with real ministry. We can only defeat Satan and his cohorts with real ministry. A Sidon ministry has no place in this great end time battle. Hallelujah. A Sidon ministry. A movie that I watched a while, a while past. Some Hollywood actors were called to come and fight against some people who were harassing the village. These Hollywood actors thought that it was a show. They thought it was a, a, a show business. They didn't know that these people harassing these villages were actual enemies, actual, uh, what do you call them, uh, like mercenaries who come to ransack the village. They thought the villagers want them to come and act uh, a show of people harassing them and then you are our deliverers. Yeah. So, so these actors in Hollywood, the guns they use, what type of gun do you think they use? Fake guns, toy guns. These Hollywood actors, they came to the village and they got into it with the, with the, with the attackers. And at a point, at a point, the, they shoot and then nothing will hurt the attackers and at a point, the, one of the attackers shot and then the guy did this and he said blood then he showed it to his friends it is it, real they, 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 what they are using are real guns we are using toy guns then he walked up to him he said you are in big trouble mister <laughs> i'm in big trouble you are the one in trouble this is a real war it's not a toy game your christian life is a real war you cannot replace it with toy games toy guns hallelujah Revelation 3, and to the angel of the church inside is right. This thing says he who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. Look at it. That you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. You see, we can fool human beings, but we cannot fool God. God, he said, I know your works. He can see. God can see through with a spiritual laser. Laser beams, he can see. And he said, you have a name. Another translation says you have a reputation. You have a reputation that your Christian life is alive and vibrant. He said that you are alive, but you are dead. Look at verse 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. We are talking about avoiding a pseudo-Christian life. Avoiding a pseudo-ministry. God is calling you, somebody. That you've faked it long enough and nobody knows what's going on with you. Now stand up to your feet and begin to pray and confess to God. Begin to pray and confess to God because at the end of the day, human beings, human beings may be fooled, but God will not be fooled. Pray to God for help. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to you, King of glory, Lord of all lords. Help us. If you are here, you are not born again. You want to commit your life to Christ. Or you are born again, but you've fallen away from the path of life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, lift up your hand and we shall pray and rededicate you to God. The Bible says none of us is righteous. He said, no, not one. All of us are like filthy rags. But God is willing to forgive us. I want you to be in prayer. Be in prayer. Maybe you look like you are alive spiritually, but you are dead. 
God is not bringing this word to condemn you. God is bringing it in order to redeem you. To give you another chance. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, help us. Have mercy on us, Lord. Forgive us. I want the church to pray with me. Thank you, my Savior, for saving me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood of Christ. I believe Christ died for me in order to save me from my sins. I believe Christ was raised from the dead for my justification. Now give me your grace that I walk the walk in the spirit and I will not be a fake Christian. I will not be a pseudo-Christian but I will be a real Christian that I will do your will. That I will seek to please you and not seek to please people in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You may take your seats. We are going to take our tithe, our first and best. If you brought your tithe, stand up to your feet. If you need an envelope, you will also take a second offering to help our missionaries.